Blog Talk Radio. this morning. Now, that that's just a theory. No, I'm just kidding. He probably did get called into work because I know he, he was looking forward to this show today because we got a lot to talk about, especially with Notre Dame. And we're going to break that down as well. And I know we talked a little bit offline uh, with me, Scott, and Rick about doing a, a bet on Notre Dame. That might still happen on my part, but I haven't got it done yet. Uh, but uh, we'll get certainly get Scott's uh, advice on that, and as, as well as all the other other uh, games that are going on here in the as the Big Ten. And then uh, coming up in the second hour, we're talking racing. We're going racing with Steve Wilson for Speedway Digest, editor in chief of Speedway Digest, and our official NASCAR contributor. And we'll also have Tony Donahue from the Tony D podcast joining us in the racing segment as well. And then we have Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, talking with us about a, well, it wasn't a pretty win, but it was a win against the New York Giants uh, this past Thursday and certainly breaking down uh, the NFL. You do not want to go anywhere. Stick around. It's about to get good right here on the Balance Radio Network, 917 Yeah, 917-889-8516 is our digits. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network.
Quick stop, midnight, T-top, Jack, and her cherry coke town. Mama and Daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the... The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barber sharp quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. It's time to kick things off. Joining us now is our college football extraordinaire, Scott Lamb. How are you, Scott? I'm great, Tom. How are you doing this morning? Good. It's a Tom and Scott show today. I mean, no no Rick. You got called into work. Yeah, hopefully he'll be done by the what's time the Notre Dame starts. He, yeah, he can't handle missing a Notre Dame game. What, are, what is the over and under here that uh, he, he stayed out too late? Uh, the over under, I'm going to put it at. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put it at a, at a plus one ten, so almost even money that he was out late. Yeah, we'll have to see how, how it goes. And he was supposed to, he was supposed to also join us with the NFL segment with Ed later on. And by the way, you're more than welcome to stick around for the entire show. You don't have to, you don't have to drop it at uh, ten if you don't want to. And I'm just extending that yeah, uh, offer to you. I appreciate it. I got a Go couple ahead. nuggets I could drop with the NFL. All right, good. Well, then you can stick around with us for the whole show. We'll just we'll just set, put you over here in the co-pilot's uh, seat, and you can you can rock and roll with me. Well, let's get started. We talked about Notre Dame and and uh, uh, Pitt. Uh, 
and with Notre Dame and Pitt. And you know, we had talked about maybe doing a little bit of a side bet and and doing a, a bet on that. The three of us did, and I didn't get it. Ha- I didn't make it happen yet. But what what what's your outlook on this game? And then we'll break it down by the by the numbers, if you will. Uh, Notre Dame and Pitt. Uh, what what are your thoughts? You know, and I, I I told Rick last week, I said, if, if they don't cover against Louisville, then I am not going on that Notre Dame bandwagon again to put any money on them to cover a spread. And that game against Louisville, it was, it was just gross. 12-7, uh, a game that Notre Dame should have won by three touchdowns. An uh, interesting number on, on Pitt, the last five times that Notre Dame's been ranked and they faced them, they've covered four of them and won twice outright. Uh, I told Rick I was going to take Pitt to win outright, but – I'm not going to do that. I'm still going to say Notre Dame wins, but they're not going to cover the spread. Well, I haven't seen what the spread is, but the last I, I heard, uh, um, oh, opened around ten. I thought it's I, to eleven. I, I think it's ten and a half. Well, you know, while much is made of the pit defense, the the Irish have their own defense worth uh, highlighting as part of it, uh, and. Analyst, if you will, and you know, here, here's the thing. I've I've been kind of hard on Notre Dame. I think they'll they'll win, but you're right. That, what did we learn? What did we learn uh, from that Louisville game? Well, we learned that Notre Dame's defense is still top notch. That it, it can compete with anybody in the country. Uh, I mean, it's Louisville. Their their expectations aren't aren't much for the year, but you just, they still held them for seven points, which allowed them to stay in the game. Uh, but their offense just it it never got going. Uh, I'm a really big fan of the Notre Dame secondary. I think they can shut down any passing attack in the country. Uh, I I think I said that last week. Uh, And I think that's what's going to keep them in in games. And it's going to allow them to win today. Uh, I just don't know if their offense is going to keep going, like you said, against that pit defense uh, to help them pull this game away early in the first half. Well, like you should, that's the number three team in the country. You also got to look at like something else here. You know, uh, the the starting quarterback for for Pitt, Kenny Pickett, uh, missed last week's uh, missed last week's loss uh, due to injury, and he could be out again against Notre Dame. How how important is it that that, that Kenny Pickett be in this game today? Oh, it's ex- it's extremely important. They want to move the ball in the air. Uh, they they need that experience there back at quarterback. Uh, like I said, that Norwich secondary is, if it's not the top in the country, it's, it's going to be top two or three. Um, and with not having a starting quarterback, I don't know how you move the ball in the air. Well, and, and that's 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 the big thing there, and that's that, and I think that's that's a game changer as well. So let's go ahead and get your official pick, and we got Melissa standing by on social media. We'll get all the picks up on social media. Our first pick of the day is Notre Dame versus Pitt. Uh, what are your your predictions, sir? Yeah, my, my prediction is Notre Dame wins this. I think it gets into the fourth quarter, and it's going to be a right around the spread at 10 points. I'm going to take Notre Dame 30 to 20. Yeah, I like Notre Dame too, and I'm going to hang around that same uh, range that, that, that you've been you've been talking about. So, uh, Rick's going to glad that, that we didn't uh, go against the the Irish when he wasn't able to, to join us. All right, now we go to a game true, new and true to my heart, if you will. Uh, and that's IU. IU football game day, baby. I tell you what. 
It's been a while since we got to talk about some IU football. Take it away. Talk with us about IU and Penn State. This is a big matchup today, certainly as we talk about the return of the Big Ten. What are your thoughts, sir? Man, yeah, this is an exciting game today. Uh, the spread is less than a touchdown. Um, I, Penn State, so they got their big one against Ohio State next week. And since 2016, when they won the Big Ten championship, they're 0-3 against Ohio State and 31-5 and against everybody else. Uh, so is Penn State going to be looking toward trying to get over the hump next week against Ohio State, and how does that impact in today? The uh, problem with IU is their last 25 times against a top-10 opponent, they're 0-25. Uh, I really wanted to pick IU in this game. I think it comes down to the end. I think it's within a touchdown, and IU's in the red zone, but they don't punch it in. I got Penn State 33-28. Well, the, the the last line that I saw on this yesterday is that they have the Nittany Lions at a solid 6.5 uh, favorite over IU. Of course, Nittany Lions are 5-0 and going against uh, – I use since 2015. So, uh, I mean, it's going to be a challenge, but it's at home and it's welcome back big 10. And for no other reason, I'm going with IU on this game. What's your pick on this one? I, I like I like that pick a lot. I do think I use in the red zone at the end with a chance to win this game. Uh, I think Penn state pulls it out very close. 33, 28. IU doesn't get it in, in that last minute of the game. Always got to come down to the last minute of the game without you done it. It's always got to be the last. This one thing. definitely will. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. Let's move on down the road, if you will. We've got Oklahoma football as well, and we got versus TCU. Like TCU, TCU is a is a good football program. I also like Oklahoma Sooners. This is a good matchup. This is a good game uh, to watch. Uh, the Sooners are two and two and one and two. Uh, they, they seek a a to to build some positive momentum. Talk like that, uh, winning the Red River Showdown during Saturday's meeting. So, what are your thoughts, TCU at Oklahoma Sooners? Yeah, so this one, when, when Oklahoma is favored by less than a touchdown, they, they cover 100% of the time. When they're favored by more than a touchdown, then that's when they don't cover the spread. Uh, they're favored in this one right now by six and a half, and I think they win by two touchdowns against ECU. So here's the thing that we see with Oklahoma against Kansas State, Ohio, Iowa State, I'm sorry, and Texas. The, the Sooners have held fourth quarter leads 14, 7, and 14 points, respectively, in each game. Oklahoma saw those leads completely disappear at the end of regulation. Only against the Longhorns Horns was uh, uh, Oklahoma ultimately able to finish in overtime. What is the problem that we see with Oklahoma in the fourth quarter? You know, I, I think it's just getting away from the game plan and then just really some, some unfortunate mistimed errors late in the game. Uh, the, the conservative play calling when, when they build up their lead uh, and then just some untimely turnovers, uh, not being able to tackle. We saw that against Kansas State. They couldn't tackle Deuce Vaughn uh, late in the second half. Um, and he's not a bruising back. They just they just couldn't catch the guy, and they couldn't wrap him up. Uh, their defense is solid. They're only giving up 342 yards uh, com- combined on, on defense this year, uh, and their offense is consistently clicking. I don't know if – I think we're, we're undervaluing Oklahoma for what they actually are, uh, Kansas State, Iowa State, both solid teams. 
Uh, and then we saw what happened with Texas. That was just became a shootout. Uh, I, I like Oklahoma still to, to rebound. Get, get, uh, I don't know if they're going to lose another game. Uh, I, I think they can end up finishing the season around nine and two. Well, you gotta you gotta wonder. I mean, look at how tough TCU's uh, uh, running game is. You gotta wonder: Can uh, Oklahoma OU's defense contain TCU's running game? Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on? I mean, that's a that's a big matchup yeah, right yeah, there. T- it is TCU getting 171 yards on the ground, and and Oklahoma is only giving up 96 rushing yards on defense. Uh, so that is exactly where this game is going to come down to. Uh, and I think Oklahoma's defense wins out in that matchup. All right. Well, let's go ahead and pick our pick for this particular matchup. Who wins, uh, Oklahoma uh, versus TCU, sir? I have Oklahoma. I think they win. I think they double the line. They win by two touchdowns. I'm going to pick them to go 41-27. 41-27. And you know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to – I'm going to go with the the offensive side of the line here. I think that TCU, the Horn Frogs, have a a very uh, unique way in a tight running game, and I don't know that the defense uh, can contain that. So I'm going to go with the TCU uh, in this uh, in this matchup. And and who's what 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 are the what's the line on this one? Six and a half. Six and a half. Okay, well, we'll have to see who who covers the the, the spread there. You know, don't we don't we miss Rick in times like this when we can? Uh, <laughs> what do you say? What do you say that you guys had this this show had the potential of being a redneck version of uh, of, of some PTI? Uh, yeah, that's what he said the other day. <laughs> uh, but. He, he, it never bothers him to interrupt us, so we, he doesn't even have to say pardon the interruption. He's just like, excuse me, but I interrupt you. <laughs> so we got a, a, another Texas uh, team to talk about, and uh, certainly uh, stand by. Uh, and in, in-state rivalry, if you want to call it an in-state rivalry, maybe it's not a rivalry, but, but it is teams from the same state, and that's Baylor and uh, uh, Texas. Uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's go a little bit around about that game and, and talk about what's going on as Texas desperately is seeking to win. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I've, I've really liked Baylor's defense, uh, 336 yards a game. Uh, I don't like their offense. They're only putting, they're only getting 304 yards total, 189 yards in the air. Uh, and, and I'm, and I'm a big Texas believer. Uh, I know they've, they've dropped a couple already, uh, dropped to Oklahoma in four overtimes and they've lost by less than a field goal to TCU. Uh, I, I think this is all Texas. Texas is favored by 10 in this game. Uh, Baylor's they, they lost to West Virginia in double overtime. Uh, they lost to Georgia, uh, last year in the bowl game. Uh, and then they beat their one win this year is against Kansas. Uh, Baylor just has, they, they haven't had a lot of competition. Uh, their COVID stuff has really impacted them. Uh, I, I think Texas rolls in this game. Well, the big 12 hasn't been very kind to the Texas Longhorns. So hopefully you're right. Uh, Tom Herman's program one and two in league action with the only win coming out of a miraculous late comeback. And that was before Texas proceeded, uh, 
to to lost to TCU. Sorry, too many T's, man. Too many T's on a Saturday morning. And <laughs> yesterday was my birthday, so I may or may not have stayed out too late myself. But hey, Rick, I, I got up and I, I did the show. I could have I could have just said, hey, I can't make it today. Uh, Scott, Rick, you're on your own, and then Rick would have bailed, and then you would have been on your own, dude. You would have been out there. <laughs> that that, that would have been interesting. Just, Flopping like a fish, would you? No, I'm just kidding. I, yeah, I might, I might have some, uh, some controversial takes when we get into COVID. And- <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. When did we become a political show? Oh, man. <laughs> you, you, uh, do you follow uh, Clay Travis much? I know Rick does. Do you? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, okay. Love Clay Travis. Not, not, not but he had – okay. Well, you, that's that's – homework for this week look up clay travis follow him you must watch first amendment boobs and then you'll be hooked for the rest of your life (laughs) all right i got it i got a note down to do some homework so clay travis anyway clay travis jason whitlock are you familiar with jason whitlock he's been around for a while yes are you there yep been following yeah been, been following Jason Whitlock for a long time, all the way back to when he was just a Kansas okay. City beat writer. Yeah, and he's from Indianapolis, uh, and he went to Ball State. Uh, but he, when he left Fox Sports, he uh, paired up with uh, Clay Travis, and they're now partners in the Outkick. And I, I tell you what, that is a a must listen to show every week. Uh, they they're just uh, just a lot of fun. But Jason had the opportunity. Jason and Clay had the opportunity to interview Donald Trump in the Oval Office this past week. So that's really a, 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 I shouldn't promote another show, but I'm going to promote that show for that particular reason. But uh, uh, yeah, you've got to give it a, give it a listen. And I don't know where I was going with that, man. I, I, it, it, oh, cause you started talking about the political stuff. Okay. All right. We'll get it. I guess what we want to know is does Texas bounce back and not just first win Early in a month, in nearly a month, I'm sorry. Well, and you, and you, you mentioned something. You know, they, they had that come-from-behind win against Texas Tech, and that's their only conference win up to this point, and their other win was against UTEP to open the season. Uh, I, Tom Herman, this might be Tom Herman's last year at Texas, honestly, uh, if he doesn't get this thing going and right it. Uh, I think this is a good matchup for the Texas to right the ship and make a statement win uh, in conference get back to two and two in conference and three and two overall. Uh, this isn't going to crack him in the top 25 by any means, but I think Texas covers this game against Baylor. You know, I, I like Baylor in this game and I, I, we're going against the grain on this because I, Baylor has just shown me, Texas has, I guess the better way to, to raise this, Texas hasn't shown me anything this year that makes me excited that they have Think in their arsenal that they can bring out uh, for uh, against uh, against uh, yeah against the other team Texas. <laughs> I, I think one of the big things to look at for Baylor. Baylor hasn't played a game in three weeks. Uh, this is their first game since October 3rd when they lost in double overtime to West Virginia. And I want to see what that time off has done for them, uh, see if it's got them healthy, if it's got their offense clicking. Because their offense hasn't looked good. I mean, they opened against Kansas, and that was a really good uh, all-three phases game. 
Uh, but against West Virginia, I, I feel like if, if Baylor is, uh, is, is as good as we think they could be, I don't feel like they should have lost to West Virginia in overtime. Uh, I'm just not a big believer on with Baylor being off for 21 straight days. That's, that's tough in the middle of the season. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next game here. we got West Virginia travels into Texas Tech. What are your thoughts, sir? Yeah, so uh, West, West Virginia going into Texas Tech, and you got you got a 3-1 and one Mountaineer team and a 1-3 and three Texas Tech team. Uh, West Virginia, you know, they, they've played Kansas. They played Baylor uh, after opening the season and losing Oklahoma State. Uh, and then you got Texas Tech, who they lost three straight after that heartbreaking loss to Texas when they gave up 15 points in the last, what was it, two minutes of the game. Uh, then they go into K-State, they lose by 10. They go to Iowa State, lose by 16. Uh, and now they're coming into a mountain – Mountaineer team that has been pretty solid uh, since the beginning of the season. Um, right now, West Virginia is favored by less than a field goal, uh, and I think this is going to be one of those games that comes down late into the fourth quarter, and I think Texas Tech gets their heart broken again. That Mountaineer defense is probably the best in the Big 12. Well, I, I do like the Mountaineers. That's that's for sure, and, and they, they, they certainly are strong, but they've not proven themselves to be um, – what I would say, good on the road. What are your What are your thoughts about them not being a very good road team, or are are you maybe they are in your mind? Uh, no, in in I agree with that. They they have to travel the farthest out of any Big Twelve team. I mean, they're 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 an old Big East team. They they're coming from almost practically the East Coast uh, to go all the way into Texas, and they have to make that trip multiple times in the year. Go to Texas, go to Oklahoma, go to Kansas. Uh, when when they get a home game, it's a it's a true home game for them. Cause, vice versa the other teams have to travel but they have to travel the most um and i think that impacts them what are your thoughts on that number being impacted on as far as the, the line goes uh it's yeah that i think that's why it's only a field goal i think that uh vegas favors the mountaineers as a better team uh they're favored by two and a half uh but if this was a neutral site or in west virginia that line moves up to a touchdown uh, so they're definitely giving Texas Tech some points in this game. All right. What is your official between West Virginia and Texas Tech? I'm going to pick the Mountaineers to go into Texas Tech and to get the win and give the Raiders, Red Raiders their fourth straight loss in conference. I'm going to roll with you on that one, too. I like West Virginia. I just don't like that they're not a very good road team, but I agree with everything that you said about Texas Tech. So, I'm rolling right along with West Virginia uh, with you as well. Let's talk some LSU football. Uh, and uh, who'd you say? Maybe? Oh, LSU. <laughs> I said let's talk some some LSU football. But do we want to talk about some Coach Joe? Where the heck did Rick get that picture from? That's what I want to know. I have no. <laughs> Where does he get some of the pictures he sends? That was that was interesting. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? What's going on here? And uh, well, I think I don't know how. How do those pictures get out? I don't understand that. Unless you've posted them on social media or texted them to somebody. Yeah, it didn't look like a selfie. It looked like somebody else took the picture. I know. What's going on in Coach O's world? Huh? No wonder he can't speak. Come here, little girl. <laughs> I couldn't resist, man. I couldn't resist. 
Let's talk some LSU football against the Cox, the Gamecocks. You know, we love to talk about the Cox on this show. <laughs> yes, and the Beavers. <laughs> and the Beavers. We love the Cox and the Beavers on this show. We want the, we want the, the, the Cock and Beavers show. <laughs> the very first time that South Carolina played LSU as a member of the Southeastern Conference Gamecocks, Gamecocks left Tiger Stadium with a victory. What are your thoughts today against the Tigers and the Gamecocks? I, I thought South Carolina had a great win last week against Auburn. Uh, I liked South Carolina in that game. They ended up winning by eight. Uh, and they looked really good against Vandy, who's, you know, the seller dweller in the SEC. Uh, looking how far LSU has came uh, since, since last year's big run for the national title, uh, they open up with a 10-point loss to Mississippi State. They beat Vandy by the same score as South Carolina did to Mizzou. Uh, that, that Mizzou game really hurts them, and I really think they're going to come in here at home against South Carolina. Now, LSU, I believe they are allowed 50% capacity now, so there is going to be some home field advantage there. Uh, but I like the Gamecocks in this game. Are you with me? LSU to... Can you not hear me? I can oh. hear you now. Go ahead. Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I... – yeah, I think LSU, this is going to be one of the first times they're going to actually have a home field advantage. I think they're going to go 50% capacity uh, down there in Death Valley. Uh, their their competition, their last two games, losing to Mizzou, uh, they beat Vandy handy. Uh, but after opening the season with that loss to Mississippi State, I think LSU has a chance to have their third conference loss already in four games. Uh, I like South Carolina to go and win this game. You know, I do too, and I, I... – Stand by. I got. Okay. Can you hear me now, Scott? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Okay. I got something funky going on with my ears, man. The 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 earphones, earbuds, are uh, echoing in my ears. So I think I got it fixed. All's good. In, all's good in the land. That's just what happens when you move equipment around and you're just trying to figure everything out. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with LSU. Let's let's maybe we will talk about this another time. But what do we think is the problem with LSU? Is it the loss of Joe Burrow? Is it the the national championship hangover? What is it? I think it's the defense. I, it's I don't. Defense. I don't. I don't, I don't think the offense has any problem moving the ball. They're, they're the ball. almost getting 500 yards a game on offense. There's no rushing attack. Uh, there's no rushing uh, attack. They're still getting uh, 370, still in, the 370 in the air. But their defense is getting up 494 yards on defense, and that's against a Missouri team, a Vanderbilt team, and a Mississippi State team. You're giving up 500 yards a game to those three teams. You're in trouble in the SEC. All right, we got one more game to talk about, and we'll go ahead and go with your pick of the game of the week. I know uh, Rick thought uh, Michigan and Minnesota was the game of the week. You disagreed. You said Cincy versus SMU. Uh, so talk with us a little bit about why you think that is the the game of the week, and we're going to go with that. And you're going you're going with uh, you're going with uh, uh, Carolina, right? With that LSU game, right? Yes, I'm. Yes, I'm thinking I'm, South, yes, Carolina. I'm thinking South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah, I'm right along there with you, too, as well. And I know Melissa's getting all of our picks put together. Uh, okay, so let's go here and talk with us a little bit about Cincy versus SMU. Uh, why is that the game of the week? So it's, it's time so to start paying attention to the group of five. You got Cincinnati, and Cincinnati's in the top ten. They're ninth right now. 
I think they're going to jump up to around six or seven after this week, especially if they can beat an SMU Mustang team that's very solid and ranked 16th. Uh, and then you got BYU, the other group of five that's in the conversation. But if Cincinnati can pull this game out, and they're an underdog today at two two and a half to SMU, because SMU is also a very solid team. If Cincinnati wins this game, it's time to start paying attention to them as can they crack that college football playoff. And I think that's why this game's important. Is Cincinnati's already a top ten? Their schedule, they've played a decent schedule, and it's only going to continue to get harder in the AAC. Uh, if they can get win this stuff outright, they're going to crack the top five by the end of the year. And I'm very interested to see if they can pull this out at SMU, who's a very solid team as well. Well, the Bearcat defense is certainly about to get a big test. It, it, and it has the talent to come through. I mean, it held Army's running game to 182 yards, despite allowing over 200 passing yards in, in two of the three games. Uh, uh, the, the production didn't really go anywhere. Uh, but the, the Bearcats lead the nation in pass efficiency defense. Uh, but to be fair, they haven't faced anything like SMU offense. So even with seven interceptions in three Three games are even so the seven interceptions in three games are impressive five against USF and and the D has yet to allow a touchdown pass I like the Bearcats in this matchup what are your thoughts yeah uh, SMU like you had said man that offense they're 563 yards a game 200 rushing and 360 passing and then you have the Bearcat defense which is very solid at 306 I think defense is going to pull this one out uh, I really like what SMU's done with at Tulane and uh, beating Memphis by a field goal. Those two games, both both games came down to a field goal. Tulane went to overtime. Two solid teams at SMU beat. Uh, in Cincinnati, I just feel like they've just been rolling the entire year, and they're going to continue to roll. This is SMU's favorite because they're at home, but I think Cincinnati goes in and wins by a touchdown. But this is, is I think it's exciting from start to finish. All right, Scott, I appreciate you joining us for some college football uh, today. Uh, and, and sticking around with us here. But uh, we're going to take a quick break so that we can regroup on our audio. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Okay. Yes, got you now. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't know, man. We we have locations and we're we're still dealing with the uh, with uh, audio issues and, and that sort of stuff. But I think we've got it. I think we've got the issue resolved uh, now. So let's let's pick back up where we were. What we were talking about: Cincinnati versus SMU. I mean, SMU has got a very very uh, tight offense. Very. Uh, uh, put together and squared away. Let's let's make break this number this game down by the numbers. Now that we got my ears working the way they're supposed to be. Go ahead. Yeah, SMU is. I mean, they can do anything they want offensively. They want to beat you running the ball. They average 200 yards rushing. They want to beat you in the air. They average 360 in the air. Uh, Cincinnati's defense, on the other hand, is giving up right about the 300 mark for defense, which is very solid. Uh, less than 200 yards a game passing on defense. Going, It's a 60-minute game uh, all the way down the end. Potentially, it could be one of those big two or three overtime games. Uh, but I, I'm going to pick Cincinnati to pull this out. What's the spread on this game? Two and a half with SMU favored. It's that home field three-point advantage Vegas will give you. So Neutral side, this is so an even gonna, game. You're going with SMU? I'm going to go Cincinnati. Cincinnati is is my candidate to break into the college football playoff this year if they keep rolling. Uh, their their schedule only continues to get harder. Uh, I like Cincinnati to pull this out and continue to roll. You know, I think in any other circumstance, I'd be picking Cincinnati, uh, but I I'm just going to roll with SMU. Is it a home? Is it at home with a with SMU? It's, it's at home. Yeah. SMU is at home. Yeah, I, I in this particular case, I'm going to go with them. Any other game today, if Louisville had been playing pretty much anybody else, I would have been rolling with uh, with Louisville. I mean, Cincy. I'm sorry, I said Louisville, but hey, only an hour's difference away from each other. So hey, uh, but I'm I'm going to go I'm going to go with uh, SMU on on this game. So let's. Uh, so you've got. You're, you've got Cincy and I've got SMU. We're, we get we get all this as squared away and straightened up, straightened out. Let's go ahead and go to Rick's uh, pick of the of, of, of the week. Now he said that he, he thinks that this game has bigger implica- implications because of the uh, everybody wants to pretend that the Big Ten didn't cancel half their season. Season. Here's the thing. And I think where everybody's all worked up about the Big Ten is, and we're going to talk a lot about the Big Ten here in the next half hour, but what what everybody's worked up about with the Big Ten is that the NCAA basically said everybody this year is going to be bowl eligible. Now, does that mean that everybody's going to a bowl and that there's enough spots for bowls? No, there's still going to be the same amount of bowls. Uh, does that mean that just because you're bowl eligible that you're going to go to a bowl? No. And it doesn't have anything to do outside of maybe Ohio State, which we will have the Ohio State conversation here in a minute. But outside of Ohio State, is there anybody inside the Big Ten that can be a threat to the national championship? And more importantly, be a threat to Notre Dame being in a national championship? Uh, I think there's two teams. I, I think Wisconsin, uh, they looked really good last night with their with their new freshman quarterback. Uh, I, I think Wisconsin has a chance, and then I think Minnesota has a chance, only because after this week, Minnesota doesn't play anybody in conference the rest of the way. Uh, and I'm not big on Michigan. I think Michigan is a three, and if they lose today, a four-loss team in eight games. 
so I think Wisconsin and Minnesota are the two that can really uh, push Ohio State to the edge, but and, and maybe crack into the college football playoff that they can go and get get nine straight games, including the conference championship. But I think it's all Ohio State for that conference right now. You think Ohio State gets into a national championship game? Uh, the I don't know about the national championship. Uh, I have I think they have the best route to the college football playoff because in their eight games, Penn State next week, and then after that, they pretty much have a, a free route all the way to the end. I don't think Michigan – that game hasn't been competitive since Harbaugh took over, and I don't really know if Michigan at the end can push Ohio State and give them that loss. If Ohio State beats Penn State next week, they roll 8-0 and into the conference championship. So and we're going to talk more deeply about Ohio State here in just a minute. But So here, here's the thing. Let's go back to this Minnesota-Michigan uh, game. I, I really like uh, Michigan in this game, and I know no, uh, all Notre Dame fans hate Michigan. So what, what are your thoughts on this, and what's your pick? And we'll move on to some Ohio State talk and Big Ten talk to, to finish up the college football segment, sir. Yeah, I, I like Michigan to win this game also, uh, but – Michigan's uh, schedule is brutal this year after this game. Uh, I think Michigan will pull this out. They'll get to 1-0, and and then you can get all the the Wolverine fans hyped about the outlook for Michigan going forward. Uh, But their schedule is brutal. They got Wisconsin. They got Penn State. They got Ohio State. And there's just no way they run that table and, and crack anything. So you're going with Michigan? I'm going with Michigan to win this game, but I don't have a good outlook on their season going forward. I am also going to go with Michigan on this game, and we'll see what happens going forward. We're going to be talking about uh, the, the games here coming forward, and we're going to break down the Big Ten because, well, we tried a little bit of shows, the, the, the Big Ten is, is back. So I'm also going with Michigan. And so that will be the last of our official picks if you will, and we'll get the, the bragging rights up. How did you do in your betting world last week, sir? How did it pay off for you? Uh, it, it, it wasn't bad. I, I ended up overall uh, winning for the week. Um, there was there was a couple that I, I wish I would have went, went the other way. Uh, I kind of got away from my, my system, and, and I guess I betted a, a little bit more emotional last week, and that kind of cost me instead of just going with the numbers. So give us, uh, novice bettors, a, a little lesson. If if we was to say, hey, today's the day I'm going to bet on just Notre Dame or a Big Ten action, what would be your advice? How much money would you say to start out with, and how would you do that? And what, what system do you use? Do you use FanDuel? Uh, what do you use? Uh, I like I like ESPN uh, insiders, uh, the ESPN Plus, and and looking at you know people like like the Bears or Stanford Steve and see what they, their thoughts are, uh, and try to stay uh, close to the line, watch the line is how it's moving. Uh, usually Vegas is pretty good with the number, uh, and that line is going up. Uh, you, you got to buy low uh, if you're going to go and take the over. You got to or take take someone to cover. You got to watch that line go one or two points from where it opened. Uh, and then, of course, over-unders, look at how these teams are scoring. Uh, for instance, on the NFL, almost every game is hitting over this year. They're on a record pace for scoring. Uh, college football is uh, pre- pretty much the same. The, the, the lines are almost a touchdown over on a lot of these games from what they're, they're coming out. I think Vegas is starting to fix that curve, uh, but that's kind of what you 
what I like to look at is see how much movement's in the line towards coming going up towards game time. Oh, so we're getting ready to talk about this. Yeah, we're getting ready to talk about this game here. I'm 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 sure you just saw Rick's uh, uh text uh, as well. Uh but uh Rick said Rick said that PJ Flack has turned Minnesota into a monster. They will roll that boat and win. So Rick Riggins only pick that we have in from him is uh Minnesota. <laughs> what are your thoughts? That that game right now is at a field goal. Uh, it was three and a half uh, when we started the show as, for Michigan, and uh, they took another half point off, and now it's down to three. Well, let's move on into the Big Ten. As it started last night, in Illinois with that Wisconsin in a total freaking uh, disaster. Redshirt freshman uh, Mertz threw for five touchdown passes as Wisconsin uh, got uh, the revenge from last uh, season's upset breakdown last night's game, uh, Wisconsin and Illinois. Maybe it wasn't a game. Maybe it was. I honestly missed it because uh, we were moving a lot of other stuff going on. It was my birthday, and I was busy eating and drinking. But uh, talk with us a little bit about the Big Ten opener. Well, uh, Wisconsin, what we know Wisconsin from is a running powerhouse team uh, constantly just cranking out these big-time running backs, and that wasn't there last night. What we saw was the freshman quarterback come in. He went 20 or 21. His one incompletion was a drop, uh, and he tied the school record for most touchdowns in a game, which surprisingly is only five. Uh, but when you think about what Wisconsin does well is they run the football. Uh, and to, for them to have a redshirt freshman quarterback come in, have that type of quarterback rating and consistency, uh, that's that's saying something for the number 12-ranked team uh, Coming in, I think they're 12. Let me go look. Or they? I'm trying to pull. I was pulling up the rank. Yeah, oh, so no, Wisconsin is 14. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're 14th. Uh, 14th in the country. But for them to come in and to show that they can pass the football and uh, if, if they can put that together with the rushing game that's going to be coming in late in November when the weather changes, if they got a, a true passer back there, they can compete with Ohio State for the Big Ten. Well, the Big Ten is back, and, you know, whether or not they canceled half their season or not, it, it is back, and, and those haters will hate, I guess, and lovers will love. I'm a Big Ten uh, football fan, so I'm, I'm just glad to see them back, and we'll let all the controversy uh, play itself uh, out. Let's go through some of these games. We got Rutgers at Michigan State today on the Big Ten Network. What say you? Yeah, I, I don't think a lot to see here. Uh, maybe, maybe Rutgers has, has something going. Uh, there's a lot of people who are, are big on Rutgers to get out of the cellar, but I don't know if they're big enough to watch have them go and beat Michigan State. Uh, something I want to I want to bring up on the Big Ten that they're, they're doing things sure. a little differently yeah. than the rest of the country. Uh, we, we saw last week, you know, Saban got back on the on the sidelines after five games or, or five days after having that false positive test. The, the Big Ten. They are going to if, – if they have – and this is going to – I think it's going to impact things because any room to cancel a game or move it, uh, if they have to cancel a game, it's going to be considered no contest. Uh, they have eight games in eight weeks. There are no buys. There's no flexibility. They go straight from those eight games you know, to December 19th to their conference, conference championship. If a coach is positive, and we've already saw this with Purdue, they are isolated for 10 days. 
if a player is positive, they're isolated for 21, so that's a minimum of three games missed. You get someone like Justin Fields test positive for COVID, he's gone for three for three weeks. Uh, so that's what I want to see going forward is what's the Big Ten if they have to change that, which we've already seen them, that they, they can go back on what their thoughts are. They thought they were going to be the team that shut down – or the conference to shut college football down. It didn't happen for them. They thought they were going to play in the spring. Uh, they see everyone else playing, and they're like, oh, well, we have to go get some of that money. Uh, but coming in with 10 days for a coach and 21 for a player, I want to see how that works out going forward. And is that because of the close contact? And I think this is a pretty obvious answer, but do you think that's because of the close contact that players have with this being such a contact sport that they have more days than coaches? I I think it's being I think it's more uh, be, they're they're just naive in their in their thoughts with it. Uh, they're not doing anything that they're they're seeing success in the other programs that uh, the way they're handling it, and I just don't think they have the confidence in their states. Uh, that they can do this, have a contact sport, uh, and have players isolate. If with Saban just being out for five days, it's just that's not going to happen in the Big Ten. They just have a different thought, and I think it goes down to uh, who's running, who's running the states, and what their thought process on on the, on the COVID. Um, but that, if you lose a, if you lose one of your a couple of your star players for 21 days, for, forget about it. They're, that team is not going to make it into playoff consideration. Well, let's talk about the the game that everybody's looking at in the Big Ten. And let's face it, it's Ohio State. And, you know, they're, they're certainly a top ten uh, team, even with half of the uh, of their season canceled. Uh, they go against Nebraska. Adam Jividen, uh super uh, uh, Buckeye fan and Browns fan, was can't join us today. But we certainly have some talking points from him. So we'll go – We'll go through those uh, talking points, but real quickly, what are your thoughts on Nebraska at Ohio State? So I'm I'm looking back at Ohio State's last five games. Uh, they lost in the in a football playoff last year to Clemson by less than a touchdown, but before that, they had a murderer's row where they beat Wisconsin by 13, they beat Michigan by 30, and they beat Penn State by by 11 in those three games. Eight number eight, number 13, and then Wisconsin was eight at the end. Uh, so three top 15 teams and just rolled through them, uh, lost a close one against Clemson, and you got Justin Fields coming back. I think he's got the easiest route to the Heisman with only having to play eight games. And, again, if they get past Penn State next week, they, they're going to run the table. Uh, they're favored by 27 in this game. Uh, that's the only thing that I would want to shy away from is, can't, well, are they going to hit that spread? Uh, don't know what Nebraska's got coming out. They lost four of their last five dating back to last year. Their one win was against Maryland. Uh, I've, Ohio State's going to roll big in this game. Can they cover 27? I think they can. Well, let's kind of go through some of these uh, talking points uh, that that Adam sent over to us, and and uh, certainly about, about the Ohio State Buckeyes. They're bit, they're biting, they're they're fully loaded and chomping at the bit to play. Um, equates this to a racehorse ready to ready to go. A in the in the in the Kentucky Derby, what are your thoughts about Ohio State? They're ready to go. I think they are ready to go. I think them and Nebraska were pushing hard for the Big Ten to play this fall and open up with the regular schedule. Uh, they kind of got nixed by uh, some of the other states in the conference. Uh, you know, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, but Nebraska and Ohio State were both ready to go. 
Uh, and I think they're, they, they both are going to be ready to go for this game. But Ohio State's got all the talent, and they got the, the route all the way to the end that they want it. Did I lose you? Tom, you there? Did we, did we lose Tom? I don't even know if, we, if I'm still on. Scott, can you hear me? Scott, can you hear me? Scott, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. All right. Try this again. We are having some <laughs> issues today, bro. Yeah, it's, I don't know where uh, where I left, if I was cut off or if I finished what I was saying about oh, Ohio State. I, I don't know. It just it just went bonkers on us. Go ahead. Yeah, I I like I really like Ohio State uh and and the role that they have to uh, to get to not only the conference championship but to the uh, to the playoff, uh, I, and I think that they have all the talent to, to do it. I think we were talking about Ohio State and Nebraska. They're ready. I think they've been ready since August, uh, and I think they both come out motivated. But Ohio State will take this game big. So Adam says that Ohio State will have the best offense in the entire NCAA. I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, I think that they they potentially have the best player in Justin Fields, uh, and I think that their their opponents that they're going to be facing after Penn State next week. I mean, I think they're just lightning in a bottle because one, he, I want to see if he can get the Heisman in just eight games of conference play. Uh, but again, they don't have any room for error. There are no bye weeks. Will somebody from that team come down with with COVID? Those are all big ifs. But Ohio State has the, the best route through the Big Ten. So, Adam thinks that uh, Ohio State will run the table. Uh, Rick Riggin thinks that Notre Dame will run the table. If both teams run the table, uh, don't you think the consideration for the uh, college football playoffs should be looked at differently? Will that keep them at, it will, it will them into a bowl game, but will that keep Ohio State out of a uh, playoff position? I don't think so. I think if Ohio State and Notre Dame run the table, they both have a route to get in. Games are Rutgers, Maryland, IU, Illinois. Uh, they just don't have another big. Uh, they don't have a. They don't have the potential for that big eye-popping win. So they need to beat these teams big. They need to beat Penn State next week uh, by at least two touchdowns, and then of course they're going to close up with Michigan. Uh, Notre Dame's going to be. Their schedule's going to look a lot different when they're playing. Uh, when, when they have to play Clemson, probably potentially twice, uh, 
the, the ACC playing full schedule. Uh, I like Notre Dame's route. If they run the table, they're going to get that. They're going to get more consideration than Ohio State. I want to see how Ohio State looks in this schedule coming up. Are they beating teams by 30 and 40, Rutgers, Maryland, IU, Illinois, like they should? Let's go on over to Purdue. Iowa at Purdue. Uh, Purdue opens up, uh, certainly at home against the Iowa Hawkeyes. What are your thoughts? Uh, so this was the first uh, COVID issue uh, with, with Purdue losing their coach. They're not going to be able to be on the, in the, on the sidelines. Uh, I don't. I'm not big on Iowa this year, uh, but I think Iowa is going to win this game. With the, just not having your coach in your first game back is is big. I agree with you on this, and I, I I really try not to pick Purdue as much as possible. Uh, it's just kind of an I an IU thing, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to go with Iowa as well. One last final game here that we got in our college football hour is Maryland at Northwestern, sir. I like Northwestern in this game, uh, and I like Northwestern to pull, be able to pull an upset or two. I'm trying to pull up their schedule right now, uh, but I like them to be able to pull an upset or two in the Big Ten and maybe shake some stuff up this year. They don't play Ohio State, so there won't be an upset there. Uh, but uh, I like Northwestern going forward. I think they're a 500 conference team, which could break some hearts uh, in, in Michigan or Wisconsin or somewhere like that. And I like Northwestern in this game too. I mean, did you, you did you pick uh, Maryland? No, I, I I like Northwestern. Yeah, I like Northwestern on this and this uh, as well. Rick Riggin couldn't join us today. It's been Scott Lamb and the Tom Show, along with the audio problems. I appreciate everybody's patience. I know we've sounded like we were back in the cave days or something, and. Sometimes you just don't know they have a problem till they pop up, you know, and then you just kind of got to fix them on on the go, as as they say in the army, right, uh, uh, Scott? Overcome and adapt, right? And that's what that's we right. <laughs> that's what we've had to do. My name is Tom Mark Michelle, Presidency. Now, Rick, you're going to stick around with us for racing in the NFL, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'll stick around. All right, my friend. We'll be right right here on the Balance Radio Network. We'll be back with Tony Donahue for the Tony D Podcast and Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest. We're going to be breaking down NASCAR out in Texas. Hi, this is a good one, kind of groove. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, 
travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more unbelievable. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Right. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mates. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. All right, welcome back to the Balance One Hour in the Books. Just finished up college football uh, talk with uh, Scott Lamb. Rick Riggin got called into work, and Scott's hanging around with us to talk some racing in the NFL. He's going he's gonna to sit in the co-pilot's uh, chair with us today. Joining us now is Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. We are standing by for Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. I know he is up in the mountains, and he told me that his uh, 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 phone service is sketchy at best. So we may or may not have uh, Steve Wilson, but we do have uh, the honorable great Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast with us, and Scott Lamb still joins us as well. Tony, how is you, sir? Hey, man, how's it going? You know, never better. Always good on a on a Saturday. And I, I tell you what, moved everything moved on Thursday, and thought I was going to be able to do the show from the Balance Man Cave out in the garage. It was too cold, and so I had to last minute move everything around in here to the studios, and uh, we've had audio problems. So it only gets better. You're lucky you're coming on the second hour because the first hour has been it's been a touch and go. <laughs> well, I made the mistake so, last night of sleeping with my uh, my windows open, and it's probably about 52 degrees in my apartment right now, and I, my back feels like it's broken. So, oh my uh, god, we're trying to warm up over here in the household. Thursday it was like 80 degrees, and here it is 
Saturday. We're back to reality. Uh, Scott Lamb, you're still with us there, buddy. Yes, I'm still here. Okay. Scott is our uh, uh, college football extraordinaire. And, and, Tony, you and Scott will have a lot in common, as you both like to follow the line, if, if you will. And we'll kind of just real quickly touch on the Big Ten here. We were talking a little bit, uh, uh, Tony, get your thoughts about Ohio State and, and Nebraska, uh, their comeback, and, and that if Notre Dame and uh, Ohio State both run the tables – college ball playoffs eligible. What are your thoughts on that? And, and Tony, what are your thoughts on that Nebraska game today? Yeah, I mean, I think Ohio State at number five, as you know, is going to have to terrorize teams to get into that top four. I think they're a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to what the SEC has already done. See how good uh, Alabama has been. Um, I think with Ohio State, you look at this schedule and outside of Going to Penn State next week, they should run the table. I mean, I don't, I don't see any, any slip-ups. But I think with today's game, 27 points they're laying against Nebraska, it's going to be a blowout. We know how badly Ohio State likes to blow out teams. We know how important it is for these teams that are flirting with that top five, that top four spot to blow out teams. So you can go back and say, oh, well, nobody was even close. They beat everybody by 21-plus points. So um, I do see a really good chance, as long as they get past Penn State next week, that Ohio State can run the table. Uh, when it comes to Notre Dame, they just need to play better football. I uh, was not impressed with the win last week over Louisville, as I don't think anybody was, 12-7. to 7. Notre Dame is never a team that's going to really cover the spread. Um, they beat UCF earlier in the year. That's one of the worst college football teams in the country. We, we watched them play last night and get spanked at Tulsa. Uh, their 14-point their win to start the season against Duke wasn't impressive. So it's time for Notre Dame to get these uh, – these impressive wins, and I just I don't see them running the table because having Clemson come to town in a few weeks is going to be tough as the number one team in the country. Uh, and there's a game uh, towards Thanksgiving that I think Notre Dame is going to struggle with, and that's at number 14, North Carolina. So I see Ohio State running the table. I don't see the way Notre Dame is playing right now. I don't see them being capable of uh, winning out the rest of the way in the ACC. And, you know, that's a very good valid point, Uh Scott, what are your thoughts on that? We're going to get into some racing talk here. Yeah, no, I agree with everything that Tony said, especially when he talked about what this, uh, how does Ohio State beat these teams? You know, they they can't have squeakers against Maryland or Rutgers. Uh, After they get that past Penn State, they're going to run the table, but they've got to win by 21 points or more against those next four or five teams. All right. And Notre Dame, uh, so I know they talked about them running the table, but for them to run the table, that means they're going to beat Clemson twice. I just don't see it happening. All right, let's get on into some NASCAR talk. Obviously, you're in Texas this week, and certainly that's a very fast track. Talk with us, first of all, about Texas as a track, Tony, and we'll get into the, the uh, playoff standings as we roll into the playoffs. I mean, Texas, just like Charlotte, just like Atlanta, a little bit more spread out, a little bit more wide open. Um, the restart should be exciting. Uh, it's just one of those tracks where it falls in line with Kansas, falls in line with when they used to go to Chicagoland. Um Honestly, it could get spread out, and if I'm betting money, I'm not betting against anybody uh, that's not named Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin. I mean, these are the two guys, Ipe Lagana, who, who punched his ticket last week with a win. Um, but, again, another cookie-cutter, boring NASCAR race, if I'm being totally honest here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, here's – I think we talked about this last week. I think that NASCAR, out of all the sports, have been able to really uh, – to 
keep this pandemic under control within their sports? Wouldn't you say that that would be correct? Um, I mean, for the most part, everybody wasn't sure when Jimmy Johnson came down with COVID and how quickly he came down with that. And that made him miss the the final Brickyard 400 that he was going to race in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I think NBA first and foremost has done the best with their bubble system. They had zero positive cases. How many players, personnel were down there? Uh, they really managed w- what what needed to be done. So I would say NBA did the best job as far as handling this COVID. But I think what NASCAR has learned um, with this COVID crisis is maybe weekday races work. Maybe we look into some double headers. Maybe we look into spicing things up. Um, but 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 I really enjoyed you know the All Star race this year at Bristol being on a, I think a Wednesday night. I think we saw a couple Thursday night races as well. Um, I I think it forced NASCAR to try some outside of the box thinking, and I think some of it hopefully sticks for next year. All right, let's get into the uh, uh, playoff series, uh, Scott. Uh, what what is your take on NASCAR? Jared, as we roll into the playoff series going into Texas. Yeah, I, I mean, looking back at what Kevin Harvick has done this season, uh, I think he's going to get his 10th win this, this week. I mean, he's had he's got 20 top fives. He finished fifth in Texas earlier in the year, led the second most laps uh, there with 40. I, I think Kevin Harvick has got to beat today. Uh, I do like Denny Hamlin, too, but I'm, I'm all in on, De- on Kevin Harvick. All right, guys, let's roll down through the playoffs uh, series. And, and I won't say nobody else matters, but really the ones that matter now are Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Kenny Hamlin, and Brad Koloski. My thoughts are, Tony, uh, what what Chase didn't make the – Chase Elliott didn't make the playoffs I, the, the way that I understand it. That's got to be disappointing for him because he did all the right things to get there. Uh, I mean, he's, he's not out yet. You know, you, you look at uh, what could be done coming up this week and – and where the grid stands as far as making it that final four. I mean, Chase Elliott could still do that. He could do that with a win this weekend. Um, I agree with Scott. I mean, it's going to be hard to beat Harvick and Hamlin. Those two are pretty much locked into that round of four. Then you look at guys like Brad Keselowski, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr. Uh, those are the three guys that have the best chance to grab that four spot. And I think it will ultimately be Chase Elliott. He's, he's won races this year. He's been good at Texas. I'm not going to pick him to win tomorrow, uh, but I do think he's going to be that fourth guy that rounds out the, the final four when they get uh, down to the end of it. I think it'll be Logano, Hamlin, Harvick, and Chase Elliott. All right, guys, let's go through the, the drivers as we know it for the most part. That's it, That really does matter, and as we talked about Harvick and, and Denny Hamlin right there, but let's start with Joey Logano as he's leading in the in the points race uh, there, and certainly uh, is is right there to be reckoned with. We'll start with you, Scott. What are your thoughts on Mr. Joey Logano? Yeah, he he's been strong. Uh, I I think he he was able to hold off Harvick last week uh, in Kansas. He's punched his six ticket to Phoenix. Uh, he I think he's got a top five finish in this week, uh, but it's, I think I don't know if he gets past Kevin Harvick. Tony, what are your thoughts on Joey Logano in Texas? Yeah, I think Logano's approach this weekend is just simply going to be, let's keep our confidence high. Let's not ruin a race car. We're ready. We're locked in on that Final Four. Let's let's continue to work on the things that we have to perfect to win a championship, which is in and out laps, which is pit perfect pit stops, having good restarts, having a car that is consistent over a full fuel run, not just a car that's good at the beginning or not just a car that's good at the end. Um, Phoenix is a, is a, is a weird beast. It's a, it's a weird racetrack. 
you it's hard to prep for that racetrack. So if I'm Joey Logano over the next two weeks, I'm going, okay, nice and smooth at Texas. Let's not piss anybody off when we get to Martinsville. That could come back and haunt us um, in Phoenix. Let's just have a good, consistent next two races and uh, be geared up to go to Phoenix and try to win the championships. Scott, let's talk about Kevin Harvick. We know he's been a beast all season. He's always been there uh, when, it, when he needs to be. Kevin Harvick is the birth of another uh, championship, as long as he can keep things uh, together and going forward. Uh, what are your insights on Kevin Harvick tomorrow in Texas? Yeah, I, I, he's he's the guy to beat. Uh, he's got to punch that, that spot to Phoenix, and I think he gets it tomorrow. And uh, what else do we, can we add to the conversation, Tony, about Kevin Harvick? Yeah, I mean, it's just there's really not much else to say. What I'm looking for tomorrow, too, is when you go back to when they last ran at Texas, we kind of saw an upset towards the front with uh, Richard Childress Racing sweeping the top two spots. Austin Dillon grabbed the win. Tyler Reddick ended up second. Um, Reddick was on a tear, um, you know, to start the year. But Austin Dillon's grabbing a win. So what I look tomorrow is can somebody grab a win that shouldn't that's in that playoff? And that, to me, could be Alex Bowman, could be Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch punched his ticket to this round with the victory. He finished in the top ten after starting on the pole uh, after a random draw back in July. He ended up finishing eighth. Um, we'll see what Kurt Busch can do. Um, I think he's going to be doing everything that he can to find his way up towards the front um, and to try to steal a one to punch his ticket to that final round. Uh, Alex Bowman's another guy, but he, but he crashed out in the race earlier this season. So if you're looking for maybe an upset guy that can, that can spike things up and spice up Hurt Bush again. Let's talk about Denny Hamlin, uh, Scott. Uh, Denny, I've liked Denny Hamlin for a long time, and I think it's time for him to get a championship. He's had such a uh, roller coaster ride of a career. I think it's certainly time for him to to, to get a, a a championship. What are your thoughts with Denny Hamlin there, Scott? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's been solid all year. Also, uh, I I don't know if I I, I don't know if he's going to get in the top five. He could he could definitely win this race, but I think he's going to have a down week and he's going to finish outside the top five. Tony Denny Hamlin number seven in the Toyota. Yeah, Hamlin struggled uh, when they came here last time. He finished uh, 20th um, when they were back there in July. So, um, Denny's got a lot going on on his plate, and you you almost you almost ask yourself, ha- has this been a distraction to him lately with the news of Michael Jordan coming over into the sport and an ownership with him? Has this been a distraction for Denny Hamlin bringing on a, a Bubba Wallace in the mix of Denny being, you know – in the championship hunt, yes, he won Talladega, um, which I, I feel is a crapshoot. Anybody can win that race. But you got to go back to August for, for Denny Hamlin to have a win outside of that. Um, I think he's got a chance to win tomorrow. I, I do think he has a really good chance of winning the championship because he's going to be good at Phoenix. Um, but, again, he's, 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 he's virtually locked in on points unless somebody steps up like an Alex Bowman or a Kurt Busch and steals a win. Scott BK and the Ford Brad Kolaski. What are your thoughts? I, I like I like Kozlowski. I like him. To, he's I think he's definitely going to be a solid top ten, and he's got a chance to get up in the top three this week. Tony uh, Brad Kolaski, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm kind of with Scott there. With Kozlowski, you look at a guy that has, has won a championship. Yes, Harvick has as well. Um, but it it almost feels like Kozlowski has flew under the radar so far this season. 
Um, he's a guy we know that can get it done. Um, maybe feels a little bit of pressure um, in that number two car of what's going to happen. Is it going to be changed in the next year? Is it going to be changed in the next two years? Um, you know, he's been really good on the short tracks. He won at Loudoun. He won at Richmond, which tells me if he can get a chance to, to win at Martinsville next week, which I think is his best chance to win, um, he can set himself up for another short track in Phoenix. Um, you know, he won at Bristol earlier this year as well. So he's been the king of the short track so far in the last two races for NASCAR are Martinsville and Phoenix. And I think Brad Kozlowski can rise to the top. Well, guys, as we roll into uh, the playoffs, one of the things that I think every team uh, talks about and deals with every year is teammates that are in the playoffs and teammates that aren't. And teammates that aren't still want to race to win points, still want to get the points. But also has to be some backdoor conversations, Tony, uh, about, you know, let's not wreck a car when you don't have a chance of getting what happens if a teammate wrecks a teammate and knocks them out of the playoffs, what kind of precautions are in place and repercussions maybe, if you will, that are talked about behind closed doors or in the holiday there that says, Hey guys, run a clean, go out there and be competitive, but let's not, let's not uh, put out somebody who has an opportunity to win a championship when there's no opportunity for you to do that. Tony, how do teams handle that? Well, I think first and foremost, every driver that is out there, every driver that is in the championship standings and every driver that's a teammate to somebody running for the championship has been in this position before. Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski teammates, probably going to end up possibly in the final four together. Um, look, you want to help your – if you don't have a chance to win the championship, you want to help your teammate as much as possible. You want to give him a little bit more room, a little bit more space. And honestly, I think up and down the paddock, even if you're not teammates with somebody who's running for a championship and you're not – you're going to give them a little bit more room because I know a lot of these guys believe in karma and what goes around comes around. You don't want to get to a, to a place 365 days from now where you're running for a championship and that guy was running for a championship last year and he remembers you booting him out of the way. So um, as much as you want to win races for your sponsors and you'll go for that, um, every, every scenario is different. And when it comes along, I mean, you just absolutely have to give everybody as much room as possible, especially early on in the race. You don't want to see – you know, you don't want to see drivers being taken out that have a chance to win early early in the race. You know, racing for a win deep in a race, maybe it's a little bit more leniency. Maybe it's a little more, okay, we understand. But um, I just think having respect out there at all times for, for, for these drivers is, is the approach to take. Scott, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, the, the focus in those garages for when it comes to teammates is making sure that if you have someone that's in contention, uh, that's where the focus goes to. Uh, you're not you, you're not really going to get teams locked up at, at Texas and uh, you know help help push each other. They're, you're going to see a little bit more of who's who's in contention for the championship, and that's and that's who we we put our focus on equipment. We put our focus on uh, making sure we have the. If, if we can give one one of those teammates an advantage, then then that's where we are we focused in. Uh, Tony, how big of a if any advantage did it give teams to have this uh, computer racing that we had at the beginning of the season? Do you think that it helped their bounce back uh, be a little bit more smoother? And those those races counted like the other race on those. Uh, the computer races that they were doing, they were pretty cool to watch. But do you think that is a a, a future 
With NASCAR, then there might be a series in that, a developmental series. Are they going to make use of how they really kind of dominated and profited off of that uh, pewter simulated uh, racing that we saw at the beginning of the season due to the, due to the pandemic? I mean, I think that a lot of drivers enjoyed doing it. It was great um, to be on Fox on a Sunday and kind of seeing where these drivers live, kind of behind the scenes, how they train on these simulators. It was it was good for the, a lot of the sponsors uh, to be out and to, and to be prevalent. And, and, and it put a lot of drivers at the spotlight that normally wouldn't get a chance to be up front, so to speak, and have the commentators talking about them. Uh, Timmy Hill comes to mind. But on the flip side of that, there's a lot of drivers that say, well, look what happened to Kyle Larson. I mean, yeah, he said a racial slur that he shouldn't have said. Uh, and that really that cost him an entire season. So I don't think we're going to see it as a as a series, but it, that is kind of how William Byron got his start and got to learn a lot of the racetracks, and we see what he's doing in the 24 car after winning his first three race. I think we may see it in spurts, maybe two or three during the uh, maybe two or three during the off season, but I don't see it being a, a big prevalent thing as we saw uh, during the pandemic. Scott, what are your thoughts on the future of uh, the, the simulators in NASCAR, whether it be a de- de- developmental series or uh, an opportunity for them to just have another product out there? Yeah, the high racing and the simulators, this, this isn't anything new. The drivers have been doing this for the last decade or so. If they had to rain out at a track, they're going to go and get their reps uh, on the simulators. Uh, I, I think for the sport and for development, it's, it's huge. But as a, as a fan or a spectator, uh, it's not really something that is, is really watchable, in my opinion. I don't think it helps ratings. I don't think it's there to say it was great back in the early part of the season when couldn't get on the track. Uh, but as far as something that's watchable, uh, I, I don't know if they're ever going to have the same ratings. But it's definitely there for developmental aspects. Well, and I wonder, Tony, how they can monetize this. Because obviously a big part of racing is fans in the stands, and they, they make a money off of that let's face it how could uh, nascar if they were to, to make this a secondary product how could they monetize it other than tv ratings that only goes so far if fans are able to get in the stands yeah and i, I I'm, I'm with steve on this but look it, it was cool because we didn't have anything else and it was entertainment and it was something different now that we know what it is and really it's not a great product to watch and the drivers get frustrated and get and, and and wreck. I mean, that was the only drama to it was when drivers would get frustrated and wreck. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. So um, I don't really see uh, a big following for it or a big money maker for it. I just think that they struck while the iron was hot, while they had nothing else to do. Yet they had these TV windows already paid for uh, to throw something out there that involved the racing, that involved these drivers. Um, but I just I don't see it if if, if things are back to normal. And there's actual racing going on. Um, I think I think NASCAR will stay away. Guys, if we read between the tea leaves, we're talking about Kyle Larson and his unfortunate racial slur, and I think we've talked about it on this show uh, multiple times. We think everybody deserves a second chance. Things happen, and people say things they shouldn't say. It's a time in the world when things are just kind of crazy. Uh, we look at one driver who, who says something that he shouldn't have said, we look at another driver who, you know, you know, being very sensitive here, but we look at another driver who really enjoyed the benefits of all that upsetness and, and uh, all of the things going on. Of course, Michael Jordan, because of a lot of that, comes into the sport with Dan Hamlin, Bubba Wallace. Uh, Bubba Wallace was not selected randomly. Bubba Wallace was selected purposely because of all 
does, which is it's very important that we understand the sensitivity behind it. But I think NASCAR does too, and I think they're going to give uh, Kyle Larson a second chance because what we saw, because we know Kyle Larson, Tony, and you know this too, uh, was a sole owner of a sprint car system, and he also was part owner or at least owner of, of the World of Outlaws. He he closed down the World of Outlaws. That won't be won't be happening. He just recently announced that he won't be uh, running any sprint cars, and he's shutting that down completely as a sole owner there. If we were to read into the tea leaves, is NASCAR going to let Kyle Larson back in the sport? And then, of course, would he go over to replace Bubba Wallace at, at Petty or somewhere in that, in that aspect? What are your thoughts to read into the tea leaves of all that? He could end up at Hendrick Motorsports, the number 57 Chevy. Um, they're going to brand it to the number 57 because that's the number that he is made so popular on the sprint car circuits. I mean, I've been to multiple USAC races this year, and everybody has a 57 shirt on for Kyle Larson. Um, I think that with the CBS interview that's going to air with James Brown, um, he's gone through the sensitivity training, um, and I, I think that he is going to come back. He's going to come back strong. Everybody deserves a second chance. Um, it seems like a lot of the people in the African-American community have embraced him, uh, have, have talked to him, and he's learned a lot. He, he volunteered, uh, I think, with Jackie Joyner St. Louis. He went up to Minneapolis when all the, uh, the, the shooting happening. Um, I think it's going to be um, sponsors are going to come on board for his second chance. So this guy's got a chance to win races, and he's got a chance to – people have a chance to learn from his mistakes. And, and we could be on board with that. And I think Eric Jones will head over to the number 43 uh, for Richard Petty to take over that role for Bubba Wallace. We've been talking with Tony uh, Donahue for the Tony D podcast, talking NASCAR. Looks like that, that Steve Wilson uh, could not get connected uh, in the mountains. And I can't say that I blame him in the fall. Where did better place to be in the mountains? Uh, Scott, the final word on the NASCAR, what we were just talking about with Kyle Larson and Bob Wallace. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, he, he definitely paid a price and believe in second chances. Uh, one of the things that Tony just brought up is the sponsorships. Uh, that That's going to be the key is if what his ride looks like and is he someone that can still be marketable. Uh, if, if, if all is forgiven and he can get the sponsors back, then then he paid his price. Uh, if the sponsors don't come back, he's, he's not going to be marketable as a driver. Tony, where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Yeah, the Tony D podcast, Tony D Indy um, on Twitter, and looking forward to uh, that final Indy car race of the year. Scott Dixon pretty much has a championship wrapped up tomorrow, but I think we're going to see uh, a lot of drivers that have a lot to prove tomorrow trying to work their way up to the front. Tony, thank you so much for joining us. You have yourself a good uh, weekend and try to warm up out there. Yeah, you too, man. Happy late birthday. Oh, thank you, buddy. Talk to you soon. T- Tony Donahue, Tony joins us and you know I meant to, to talk with him uh, briefly about this I certainly want to send my condolences and prayers uh, to Jake Query. Those of you that know the Indianapolis market, Jake Query has been around for a long time. I consider him a friend and, and he's, he's certainly a, a, a great broadcaster here in the Indianapolis sports market. Uh, him and Derek have been around for a long time. Massive heart attack. He did survive and he's going to be okay. He's got a lot of charities that he works for. So I would encourage you to follow him on Twitter at jquery and, and take a look at the charities that he wants uh, people to, to donate to. And, you know, the thing about it is you never know about these things. Uh, I mean, he is the fitness guru. He works out maybe two times a day, at least once a day. 
a gym guru. He's a health food guru. He's pretty much the same age as me. Uh, and, uh, you know, so it can happen to anybody. So it's awesome prayers go out to Jake Query. I know Tony knows him well. He's also part of the IndyCar Racing Network uh, and a, a turn announcer there. So we wish him a, a uh, re- recover, recovery. I'm Sean Marquis, El Presidente, myself, and Scott Lamb will be back with um, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, and we're going to be winding things down with our NFL talk right here on the Balance Radio Network. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're hitting my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. You know, back then I was a little baby. Sweet and greasy. Gotta love bread. I know. You know, there's sandwich bread over there oh, next yeah. to the coffee. I eat bread in the bathtub. Hey, that's gross to me. There's a lot I've been feeling lately. Uh, why is there a hearse at my house? Night screams. The new fun of the kids. Billet, Billet. My Billet. Billet, where are you, Billet? So I need to talk to you regarding money.
Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marcus El Presidente. 90 minutes has just flown by, and Scott Lamb has uh, joined us in the co-pilot's chair. Uh, Rick, Rick, I called into work. At well, that's what he says. So we're going we're gonna to believe him. I think that he, he did. But we also know that Scott and I both know that he, he stayed up a little bit too late last night. But we're going we're gonna to go with the fact that he got called into work, and he's going to crash this segment with us. But Scott is with us, and we'll be uh, getting into some NFL talk with Ed Beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, FI.com, official NFL contributor. Uh, Scott, let's break down football for the first hour. The return of the Big Ten. A lot going on, and we'll get uh, thoughts here on the IU-Penn State game, uh, as as well as uh, we want to see a big IU win. We don't know if that's going to happen or not, but with the return of the Big Ten, of course, Tony Dodger, the Tony D podcast, joins us. And we're going to the uh, NASCAR playoff series, and uh, we're talking about some of the playoff implications. On there. Joining us now, Ed Kratz. How are you, sir? Hey, doing well, Tom. Thank you. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. You know, yesterday was my birthday and moving this week. It's wow. been crazy. So, and Happy I was going to do. Yeah. Yeah. We went, thanks to DoorDash, man. DoorDash, you didn't really, you thought steak dinners were expensive before DoorDash, but after DoorDash, it really adds up, but it, it's convenient. So, <laughs> Yeah, I hear you. So, uh, but uh, moved, are you moving? Uh, are you moving? You're, you're moving this weekend. I moved, I moved on Thursday. Uh, uh, moved out of the place that I was at um, because I was renting there, and they sold that place. To, they're putting a Costco. Sold it to a lot of properties around where I was at, which is not surprising. It's right there on a very busy intersection. So, uh, me and Melissa, our social social media director. Uh, or merging households. We had a house, and we were already so. It. I moved over just about five miles away, still on the west side of Indianapolis. So, but the good thing is, I had my Mandan out in the garage, all set up. We've got it pretty much set up. You have seen the pictures on on uh, Facebook, but I was going to go out there in this morning, and I realized, wait a minute, it is cold, and I hadn't turned the space heater on or anything, so moved everything inside and had some technical difficulties at the very beginning of the hour but of the show, but hey, we're, we are rocking and rolling. So enough of my rant and, and, and running. Uh, Rick was going to join us today, uh, but he, he sent his, uh, uh, his um, oh, who's the person that, oh, I had it all lined up too. I practiced it. You know, like if the president sends somebody out to talk on his behalf. Uh What's that, what's that person called? Press, oh, press uh, secretary. Press secretary. No, nah, somebody different. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a word. It's a title that means surrogate. Surrogate. Scott is uh, Rick's surrogate today. <laughs> Scott Lamb, how are you, sir? I'm, I'm great, Tom. Nice, nice, hey, nice to talk to you as well, Ed. And hey, thanks for, for joining us as the co-pilot. Uh, Scott uh, joined the 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 show this year with college football. He's a big college football guy, knows all the the lines and the odds, and getting out of the army. So much respect to him for his service. And so he's 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 been playing pilot for us today. And he's not really Rick Sarrigan. Actually, we would probably prefer to have Scott than Rick anyway. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so and and. and and Rick did say that he was really looking forward to talking with you, that he misses you. So I'll, I'll put that out there to you, Ed. So, Ed, great. Okay. I 
say great win, but do we want to say it was a Miss Universe beauty pageant win over the Giants? No. Uh, but, hey, a win's a win, right? A win's a win. And guess what? People are now talking about you uh, being able to win the conference. So uh, talk to us a little bit about the Eagles and their win on Thursday night over the Giants. Yeah, I don't think the Eagles care what it looked like. You know, like you said, they'll, they'll take the win, uh, especially as banged up as they are. I mean, uh, you look at their offensive line, it's a mess. And really, that's the problem with the NFC East. Everybody likes to poke fun at it and how bad it is. But the two teams that were supposed to be the best are you know, really ravaged by injuries on the offensive line. And we all know that that's the most important unit on the field is the offensive line. You know, the most important position is quarterback. But, you know, the Cowboys have injuries on the O-line. Now they're without Dak Prescott. The Eagles injuries on the offensive line. I mean, they started their uh, sixth different player made his uh, Eagles debut on that offensive line Thursday night. So they've had different combinations for every game except one this year. And it's tough to uh, you know, develop any kind of unity and chemistry and communication up front. And, you know, I think you saw Carson Wentz maybe leave the pocket a little bit before he should have in that game. He seemed to, he wanted to get out of there on occasion, and you can't blame him. Um, you know, he's been hit a ton of times. I think he's been hit over 60 times now. Um, but he's still doing more with his legs. And we saw him, you know, make some plays with his feet again. He had his fifth rushing touchdown. Uh, of the season on Thursday night and threw two touchdown passes in the final five minutes to come back from that 11 point deficit. So, you know, I don't care what it looked like. I don't think Eagles, Eagles players <laughs> care what you. it looked like. Uh, they got a win and now, you know, they are in first place and then we'll see how Dallas does with Washington uh, on Sunday. And then people will be talking about Dallas. If they win that, maybe they can win the division. So, I mean, it's just, Nobody really has a stranglehold on it yet. You can't rule even Washington and New York out if they were to catch a little bit of fire here and the Eagles and Cowboys continue stumbling along. So it's anybody's ballgame in the NFC East. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I'm with you on the ugly wins. I'll take them all day long, every day. Uh, Scott, I know you're a, you're a Broncos fan, but what do you got for Ed and the Eagles uh, and, as we kick off the NFL conversation? Yeah, like, like Ed said, he doesn't, I don't think they care how it looks. Uh, right now, the NFC East, I think it's a race to six wins. Who, who can get to six wins and, and host a playoff game? And then all that's, gonna, that's the only thing that's going to matter come January. I was just going to say, and, and at that point, you hope, you know, if you just get in, if you're the Eagles or Cowboys, and, uh, if, you know, look, it's, it's, we're sitting here in October. I mean, who knows how healthy these teams could be come, you know, late December, early January when the playoffs start. So that's what you have to do if you're the Eagles or Cowboys is keep your head above water, keep winning no matter what it takes to win, and uh, hope your teams get healthier uh, as the season wears on here, and then you'll take your chances in the playoffs. You're going to get a home game if you win the division, so that's a benefit. Yeah, I, mean, I promise Scott that we wouldn't go too hard on the Broncos. You know, no. This is this has not been a good year if you're a Bronco fan. <laughs> so, so one more, one more talk on the the Eagles and that hit on Deshaun Jackson was dirty. And uh, the, don't you think that there should be some suspensions that come down uh, for that? And that was that was pretty. I, I, I you saw it, uh, Rick. I don't know. I mean. Ed, I don't know if you saw it, Scott, but when Eagles wide receiver Deshaun Jackson jumped out of the 10-yard line to return a punt, it looked as if the Eagles were trying to recreate a return similar to the receiver made back in 2010. Instead of running for a touchdown, that like he did 10 years, 
10 years ago, he found himself flat on the ground, and that was kind of a dirty hit. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, look, Deshaun was down, you know, he was on his knees and uh, Madre Harper, the Giants cornerback came in late and just jumped on him and, and, and uh, Jackson's leg kind of got pinned beneath him and he suffered the high ankle sprain. So it didn't get penalized, but the hit uh, that tackled Deshaun did, Corey Ballantyne kind of speared him in the ribs with his helmet. That got flagged. They probably should have thrown the flag for the old piling on penalty against Madre Harper. And just a few plays earlier, Madre Harper took a swing at Greg Ward after he scored a, a three-yard touchdown on him and got penalized for a personal foul. So, listen, I, you know, and I tweeted this. I mean, I get it. You know, Harper wants to prove he belongs in the NFL after he got cut by the Raiders as an undrafted free agent and put on their practice squad, and then the Giants poached him. But, that you know, that's the wrong way to do it, really, is to, you know, come out swinging after you get beat for a touchdown and then jumping on, uh, you know, a defenseless ball carrier after the play is over and then forcing him to leave the game. You'll miss probably six weeks, which, you know, that's pretty much the rest of the season. I mean, I know there's nine weeks to go, but, you know, Deshaun could miss six to eight. So he's out, really, you know, for all intents and purposes till the last game or two. Uh, and it was dirty. Yeah, no question about it. He'll probably get fined. I don't know if we'll hear about the fine. Those things are usually kept in-house unless he wants to reveal uh, to the media that he got fined. But I don't think Madre Harper's talking to uh, anybody in the media in New York because of the way things are. The lock can't go up and approach him in the locker room and ask him if he got the, you know, the, the notice in the mail from Roger Goodell and company that he was being fined. Uh, the only way that would come out is if uh, – you know, he says something, you know, via Zoom or the team releases it. But I would suspect he'll get fined. I don't know if he'll get suspended, but I think there's certainly a fine coming his way. Yeah, it was, it was certainly a scary hit. Well, my, my Colts are, are on a bye this week and a well-needed bye to get everybody healthy and uh, get in a better position and certainly went into the – to the uh, to talk about our wins. I mean – Certainly had a huge deficit, or maybe it was a good win. I don't know, uh, but the, the the Colts managed to pull off a, a win against the Bengals at home. We go into the bye week, we're ready to get things in place. Of course, the Titans are not going still a, a threat. But let's go ahead and talk with, with Scott. Scott, we'll, we'll uh, bring you in here to talk about the Chiefs and the Broncos, and uh, you could talk with Ed a little bit about that game as well. Uh, Scott, go ahead. The, the Chiefs. Come into Mile Head with Pat, uh, Mile Head Mile High with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I jokingly said this is really a good time to be a Broncos fan. It doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon, especially tomorrow. Maybe I'm wrong, but go ahead, Scott. What do you think? You know, I, I really liked how Denver looked in all three phases last week against the Patriots. Uh, other than not being able to punch it into the end zone, they scored on their first six drives. They were all field goals, and that turned out to be enough. Uh, I know there was a lot of uh, takes on. Uh, Drew Locke and the last two throws were picks, but I mean they really turned into uh, long punts. Uh, the, the Broncos are trying to put the game away against the Patriots at the end. Uh, the, the picks weren't. Uh, not going to read too much into them. I, I think that I really like their downfield threat and they're trying to move the ball through the air vertically. Uh, and last year Denver only scored nine points against Kansas City combined in the two games. Couldn't punch it in the end zone. Uh, if they have a chance to beat Kansas City and get off their 0 for nine streak. I think it's this week at home against the Chiefs. They're they're underdogs by eight. Uh, I I think Denver has a chance to keep that offense clicking and that vertical threat and compete with the Chiefs this week. We're going to find out if they're drafting the speed uh, works out in their favor to compete with the Chiefs. And what are your thoughts, the Chiefs at the Broncos? 
Yeah, well, obviously it's all a tough task here, but, you know, it is a division game, you know, so, you know, these games do mean a lot. Even to the players, they know what the stakes are when they play within the division. you got to try and win at least one of these games uh, when you play twice uh, every year. But, you know, I, I think the Broncos ran the ball uh, pretty well against the Patriots. I think they had a 100-yard rusher. Lindsey, I think, went over 100 yards, and um, that's really – what you need to do again to beat the Chiefs is you need to keep control of that football and keep Patrick Mahomes and that offense on the sidelines for as long as he can. And, you know, I think when you see, you know, Drew Locke struggled, he only, uh, you know, he threw a couple interceptions. I think he only completed, you know, 10, 10 or 11 passes um, in the game. He only threw it a, you know, 20 something times, not a whole lot. So I think that's kind of what you need to do. I know it didn't work against new England, um, but again, I think you just need to control that clock and you do that by running the ball. And, um, you know, they did a good job of that. They controlled the clock last week. Uh, but while you're doing that, you also have to make some plays on defense and can the Broncos make enough of those against Mahomes and company, um, keep them off the field and maybe try to get a turnover, try to force a turnover from him. Um, that's really the only way I think they're going to win is if they can run the ball and if they can force a mistake, from that offense, uh, you know, get get a couple three and outs. It's so tough to do against that offense, but uh, that's kind of what they need to do. And it's it's an easy game plan, but it's awfully hard to execute that. All right, guys, the Panthers are going into New Orleans against the Saints. Uh, Saints started off pretty red hot. I, I I won't say that they've cooled down, but they're certainly not as hot as they used to be or or were earlier on in the season. Uh, Scott, what are your thoughts? Uh, the Panthers, my granddaughter's Panthers against the New Orleans Saints. So uh, Michael Thomas is going to be out again, and now Emmanuel Sanders is positive for COVID. Uh, so you're losing Thomas and Sanders uh, for this game for the Saints. Uh, if you play daily fantasy sports, uh, all in on Alvin Kamara. He's a leading receiver for the Saints and also the leading rusher. He's got about 700 all-purpose yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, I think if the Saints win this game, it's because Alvin Kamara went off. If the Panthers can shut down Kamara – Watching them come and pull the upset in in New Orleans. And the Panthers are at the Saints. Yeah, you know the Saints were my pick to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC, and they, you know I I'm regretting that pick. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know it's going to be a tough t- tough task uh, for Drew Brees without you know two of his big weapons, obviously uh, you know and Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. So that division though, that NFC South is really kind of wild. You know, you have the Tampa Bay Bucks who just signed Antonio Brown. Um, good luck with that. But they're at the top right now at four and two, and then the Saints are uh, three and two, and then the Carolina Panthers are three and three. And this is a big game for the Panthers uh, to come out and, and you know try to get a leg up on the Saints and. Um, the home field advantage doesn't mean as much as it used to. I don't know how many fans are letting in at New Orleans, but, you know, that used to be the House of Pain, or, or maybe that was the Houston Astrodome. I can't remember. But, you know, New Orleans is always a tough place to play, the Superdome with, you know, all the fans packed in and the, and the noise level. But it's not the same now, obviously. Um, so that really doesn't have big, too big of a bearing on the game. But I, I think the Panthers can go in and steal a win. I don't think it'll be – uh, that easy to do, even without Sanders and and the uh, and Thomas. But uh, and like Scott said, Kamara's a you know he's a handful. Um, but if you only have to shut down one guy, it makes it a lot easier than having to worry too much about that passing game. I know Taysom Hill can do some things there, but uh, you know this is a game the Panthers can win. And, and you know not having those two receivers is gonna is gonna make leave a mark for the Saints. I think that's gonna have an impact. We're rolling over to, uh, to New York uh, and the Jets and. At the Bills come into the Jets. Uh, you know the 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 Titans proved to me against the Bills 
feel that they are the real team to contend with there in the AFC South. Uh, the Bills were had a strong. I think they were undefeated when they met the uh, the Titans. Uh, so was was the the look at the Bills full scope, or did they just kind of have an off game against the Titans? I don't know, Ed, but the Bills come into the Jets and they've got a lot to prove. Yeah, they're, they're on a two-game losing streak after getting off to that 4-0 start. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, big big game to kind of get right. They're calling it the get-right game because of, uh, you know, how they've struggled the last two weeks. And, of course, the Jets, you know, they're on track. They're, they're winning the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes here. Uh, and I guess they would take Trevor Lawrence if they go 0-16 or 1-15. Um, but, yeah, the Bills, the Bills should win this game. There's no doubt. I mean, they, you know, they've had some issues, but they've also played two – uh, two pretty good teams. They haven't looked the same as they did going four and zero, but you know they'll, they'll get right against the, the New York Jets. The New York Jets uh, are really bad. I still don't know how Adam Gase has uh, survived this long, but um, you know the Bills will win. Mark it down. That's probably the best bet. I don't know what the line is, but I think the Bills will win this game easily. Scott, you're the expert on that. Uh, the Bills and the yes. Jets. What are your thoughts? But Buffalo is a double-digit favorite on the road against a divisional opponent, and that says a lot about who the Jets are. Uh, they have four of their five offensive linemen are in, on the injury report. Darnold's questionable, and if you have that many offensive linemen, not knowing if they're going to play, you can't put Darnold in the game. Uh, I think the Bills go into New York, and we'll see New York go 0-7, and the Bills win this one big. You know, speaking of Darnold, I, 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 just, I have not heard anything definitive, but what's, what's – where did the rumor? How did these rumors get started? I don't know, but Donald coming to the Colts it does seem like a realistic option. Something that's actually going to happen. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I kind of saw something on that too. I mean, I just think people kind of you know look at the landscape and kind of try to. Uh, you know, make a match where they can, you know, you hear all sorts of crazy stuff. And, you know, I know the trade deadline's coming up here on November 3rd. So, um, you know, could it happen? I mean, maybe, uh, you know, I don't think they would do it in season because of Phillip Rivers, but uh, yeah, the Colts need a quarterback. I think, is, I think that Rivers deal is only one year, right? Or maybe it's two. I can't, it, I can't remember, one, but it's one year. It's like a one year, $10 million deal. Yeah. It's a, it's a one, it's a one and done. And yeah, and so, I guess they're, yeah, they're hoping yeah. to pick up a quarterback. We, we need one, and uh, you know, and there's a lot of talk still about Andrew Luck, and you know, they they given him his salary, and the, and the, and how that affects the cap, and, and then of course there was some articles that came out here in local media that Andrew Luck deserves a spot in the uh, sacred ring of honor at the at the Colts. Um, I am on that side that says no, he's not. He was well on his way to, but no, he, he does not deserve that right to be in the ring of honor. Uh, in fact, if we had a ring of dishonor, I think that would be where luck would go. Cause I've not heard of me. I thought he would come back uh, after a year out and we would start hearing some rumblings about that. We're not even hearing that. And I think that's why they gave him his full salary uh, and let him keep that without penalizing him because they had the anticipation of him coming back. So I don't know if Andrew Luck's going to come back or not. Yeah, I desperately need a, a quarterback here in Indianapolis. Well, in-state rivalry tomorrow, the Browns and the Bengals, uh, both the teams uh, that the Colts were able – I mean, the Colts were able to beat the Bengals but had a nasty loss against the Browns. Uh, any thoughts on the Browns and the Bengals? 
Is this the second time these two teams are playing? I think it is, right, this year? I think it is. I think yeah, I think the Browns won. You know, the Browns are kind of struggling, too. You know, they look they looked like world beaters, and then they went to Pittsburgh and got hammered. Um, you know, the Steelers are, are pretty good, though. But I thought the Browns were kind of up and coming. I was a little disappointed they didn't have a, a better showing. I know Baker was a little banged up uh, with the – I think it was the rib injury he had. And, you know, maybe he shouldn't have played. I don't know. But um, – Hopefully he's healthier healthier this week. But I, you know, I, I like this Bengals team. I know there's now some, you know, discord in Cincinnati with communication issues between the coaches and the players. And players are requesting trades. Carlos Dunlop and Geno Atkins, they're they're not really happy. And you know, once players start to kind of come out and you know point fingers and uh, you know express their unhappiness, that that's not good for for an organization. And um, this is really should be a Browns victory just kind of based on that alone. But, you know, I do like Joe Burrow an awful lot. Um, I think he gives you a puncher's chance each week uh, to, you know, at least be in the game, make it close, maybe have a chance to steal it at the end. But um, I think the Browns should find a way to win this game and, and get to five and two. I do like Joe Burrow. He's also my fantasy quarterback. I enjoyed watching him play here in Indianapolis last week, get a good look at him. He's he's the real deal. He's the real deal, and he's a rookie, and, you know, he's going to have to work through that, but he's certainly uh, the real deal when it comes to quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, Scott, what are your thoughts on the Browns and the Bengals? Yeah, they did meet in week one uh, in Cleveland, and the Browns pulled it out 35-30, but, man, how pedestrian did the Browns look last week against Pittsburgh? Uh, Cincinnati's been in every game except for their game against Baltimore. Uh, other than that, everything's been a one-sport game. Uh, but I think Cleveland writes the ship this week. I think they go in to Cincinnati. Cincinnati's got some secondary issues. William Jackson is out of corner. Sean Williams is questionable. Uh, I think the Browns are able to write the ship this week against Cincinnati, and they sweep them for the season. Well, one more game to talk about. Certainly a big implications uh, for the Eagles, Ed. The Cowboys are at Washington. Uh, Washington is uh, uh, starting to find their move, try, starting to find their mojo, if you will. Uh, this is a, a big game in the emphasis in the NFC East. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Or West, I'm sorry. East, West, whatever. <laughs> Go <laughs> yeah. ahead, Ed. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're in the East here uh, in Philadelphia and Washington. But, uh, yeah, um, Cowboys, another franchise, you know, came out and really spoke out against Mike McCarthy and his staff and how this coaching staff doesn't make any adjustments and, um, you know, you can see the unraveling. Andy Dalton was a huge disappointment, uh, you know, in that loss last week uh, to the Cardinals. I mean, he just played horribly. Zeke Elliott did them no favors. I mean, this could be a team just about ready to mail it in, if you ask me. Uh, Washington, on the other hand, I mean, the good news out of Washington is Ron Rivera uh, is due to take his last chemo uh, treatment on Monday, I believe, for cancer that he's been fighting uh, since the summer, uh, and that's great news um, because, you know, Rivera has said how, you know, it's hard for him to work past like 5 o'clock in the evenings uh, because the chemo has just really worn him down and tired him out. Um, so you really, that's great news, man. You hope that Rivera beats this thing, and now that he's done with chemo, you hope it worked, and, you know, he's able to find his strength and, and get this Washington football team kind of righted here in the second half a little bit, but you know, it's a, it's a quarterback situation in Washington. You know, they went away from Dwayne Haskins. I feel bad for Haskins. They just fined Haskins for making a hotel reservation for one of his friends, uh, kind of going against team protocol doing that. 
Um, you know, he got benched. He's third string now behind Kyle Allen and Alex Smith. Um, but, you know, it, it'll be an interesting game. It's an NFC East game. And, you know, we saw how tough they can be on Thursday night with the Eagles and Giants. I mean, I expect this game to be close. And um, I think Dallas can probably find a way to win it. Uh, they have to come east to play in FedEx Field. But I, I think the Cowboys should find a way to win this. I think Zeke Elliott is too good of a running back to fumble twice. You just hope that they're not mailing it in already uh, and kind of running up the white flag because there's still plenty of football left. And the NFC, like I said earlier, is wide open. Um, I'd like to see Washington win, I, you know, just based on Ron Rivera, you know, what the struggles he's gone through. He's a good guy. Um, you'd like to see them kind of win a few games here for him, but it's going to be an interesting game. It's a toss-up game, in my opinion. I, I think Cowboys will, will probably find a way to, to win. Scott, final word goes to you, the Cowboys and the Washington team. Yeah, the spread on this game is only one point. It's a toss-up. And uh, losing Zach Martin for the Cowboys for the season, that, that's huge for that offensive line. And I wonder how much confidence they have in Zeke Elliott right now. There's supposed to be rain tomorrow. It should be a, a rushing game. I like Antonio Gibson a lot coming back from Washington. Uh, I'm going to pick Washington with the upset. Uh, I think Dallas is in, is in a lot of trouble right now going forward. We've been talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Scott Lamb's been setting in the co-pilot uh, uh Scott, I certainly appreciate you, you hanging out with us uh, for, for the, the day and helping us kick things off with college football. Real quickly, Ed, what are your thoughts on this IU-Penn State game? Uh, gosh, I mean, I, I, you know, how long have these teams been practicing? I, I mean, I don't know what they're going to look like. I know Penn State doesn't have their, uh, their, their stud linebacker. He opted out for the season. He'll probably be a top five pick in the NFL draft, I guess. Uh, Parsons, I think his name is. And then they don't have the running back, Journey Brown, who had over uh, 200 yards rushing in the bowl game. He's some, some kind of medical issue with them. But, uh, you know, they still have their quarterback. They still have some weapons at receiver and, and tight end. But, um, I have no idea what IU has, to be honest. I, I don't know. I mean, I think Penn State is probably favored to win that game. But, again, they I mean, are. what have these teams been able to do these last however many weeks they've been practicing? I, I don't know. It's gonna, we saw Wisconsin open with a pretty convincing win against Illinois last night. Um, so, you know, they look pretty good. So, I, I would imagine Penn State will find a way to win. I mean, probably win, I don't know, two touchdowns maybe? I, I don't know. What's the line, Scott? Do you know? Uh, six and a half. Good. Six and a half, yeah. That's that's pretty close, yeah. That you know, hopefully I'll be able to watch it. I don't know. I have a wedding later today, so we'll we'll see. <laughs> All right, Ed, we appreciate you joining us. Where can people find your work in Masterpiece, sir? Yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Kratzy K R A C Z E, and you can find all the links I post right there. Ed, you have yourself a good weekend and enjoy that wedding. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Stay away from the bar. Yeah, <laughs> that's where you'll find me. Hey, Scott, thanks for your service in the, in the Army, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're, you're, you're welcome. Thanks for letting me join you guys today. Yep. Take Scott, care, guys. Where can, thank you. Scott, where can people find your work in Masterpieces or Twitter teases? Infantry or... Blue, Infantry Blue 1978. Uh, that's N-F-N-T-R-Y, Blue 1978. All right, Scott, I appreciate you joining us today. You're always welcome, and uh, uh, Rick don't know what he missed out on. <laughs> nope. Well, I'm going to give him a call here in a little bit and see how he's going and see if he's going to make the Notre Dame game or not. All right, buddy. Talk with you soon. All right, take care. All right.
Scott Lamb joined us and played a co-pilot with us uh, today. Rick Riggin got called in to work. Tony Donahue of the uh, Tony D Podcast joined us to talk some racing course. Ed Kratz beat right for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. Our official NFL contributor joins us uh, joined us as well. Uh, my name is Tom Marquez El Presidente. We do this thing called The Balance every week. Make sure that you follow us on Twitter at T-Balance and on Facebook, The Balance. You can also download the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, uh, Applecast, uh, Stitcher, uh, Speaker, anywhere you get your your uh, podcast at. You'll be able to tune in. You'll be able to find us. My name is Tom Marquez El Presidente. Don't drink and drive. It is cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.